Good morning once again, and happy Father's Day to you fathers. Um, as I said, you might want to reference that Father's Day insert later. It goes kind of a different direction of my message today. You see, I hope that you have a wonderful weekend, fathers and families. I hope you've already had a wonderful day yesterday with no rain. We had one day without rain, and I know we need this rain for the farmers, but we need just little bits of rain, in my opinion, not weeks of rain, where the water gets so so soggy that it just doesn't dry up. Um, but let's get started. You see, today I want to take a different direction. I want to encourage men specifically, but all people, to remember our godly purpose in life, how to live and where to go for help in troubled times. You see, I believe that pro-dads, great dads, good dads, biblical dads of the Bible are dads of faith and action. Actions of love and as fathers, and all of us Christians, we should be leaving a lasting legacy. A lasting legacy which lasts for generations to come. See, what, what kind of difference are you making in the world? You can ask yourselves that, fathers, but also mothers, women, men, children, all of us in here. So this, this message may sound like it's directed to men, but I want you to know that this message is really for all people. What kind of direction, what time are you living your life? What kind of difference are you making in your family, in your workplace, in your home, in your school, your church? Will people say that you're having a positive influence on them and on those around you? If you die today, what would people say about you tomorrow? Where would you go tomorrow? If you died today, I hope and pray that you'd be with your Father in Heaven, our Heavenly Father, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You see, we just watched a video clip titled, What You Do Matters, from IgnitorMedia.com, if you ever want to look at that again. And this video showed dads doing what matters. It also shows God talking to the dads and telling us a few things. Let me put it up on the board for you. It tells us, God speaking to the dads tells us, humble yourself. Humble yourself, but not so that you can be seen, not so that your families can be seen, not so that your, fan, your friends can be seen. Humble yourself that God may be seen. James 4.10 tells us, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So there are benefits to us as well for humbling ourselves before God. Number two, let God lead you so that you can lead them. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. There's truly no, no way at all to know how to live without God leading you. Without God leading you in life, we're only leading ourselves to destruction. We need to leave our, lead ourselves to hope. And to lead ourselves to hope, we need God. Number three, see how God has blessed you beyond measure. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, there's many more principles we could see from that video, and like I said, you can go back and watch it again later if you like. It's titled, What You Do Matters, from IgniterMedia.com. But here's one of the key phrases I want you to remember. What you do matters. What you do matters. You see, we are leaving a lasting legacy. And we should be mirroring God's love. We're all leaving a lasting legacy, whether you realize it or not, whether you're trying to or not. But what does your lasting legacy lead to? 
Is it leading your kids to life and to hope and to joy, to a life with God? Or is your lasting legacy leading to things which are only temporary and do not, do not truly last? Or is your lasting legacy leading to things which really don't matter? Or worse, things of destruction, because it does not include God. We need to make sure that we are mirroring God's love to everybody that we come in contact to, but dads, especially to our families. And what a great video also to watch today as it shows us dads spending time with their kids, dads spending time with their families, with their wives, their spouses, and making them a priority. Our families are of utmost importance. But what matters most is God. You know, I, I come to you today with this message because I think dads are under attack today. And they've been under attack for a while. Fatherhood has been under attack for a while. We need encouragement, but we also need a challenge to step up and to man up and to live how God would call us to live. Because society as a whole is constantly belittling, belittling <laughs> making fun of dads. You see, they even make fun of our jokes. They even have a title for our jokes of dad jokes. And come on, dad jokes are not that bad. But when was the last time you heard somebody refer to a mom joke? That's just a mom joke. Maybe it's because moms don't try to be funny. They're just serious, right? They know what needs to be done, and they do it. Dads, we need to know what needs to be done, and we need to do it. But that doesn't just go for dads. We all need to look to God's word and see what needs to be done. And we need to do it. We need to step up. We need to man up. We need to be the man, the father, the person that God wants you to be. We should be claiming with pride the words of Joshua 24, 15, which says, But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, the Bible tells us to have no God but the one true God. And so we must lead our houses in this way. We must be bringing up our households knowing who the one true God is and how important he is to your life. That same verse also tells you this. It says, whom do you serve? You must be looking to see whom do you serve. I mean, really, people, dads, moms, children, whom do you serve? Too many fathers today are serving themselves. Too many fathers today are being selfish and too busy doing their own hobbies, their own interests or activities before doing their fatherly, manly, and most importantly, godly duties. You see, one of the most crucial and important jobs as fathers is to bring our children up in knowledge and understanding of the love of the Lord. Listen now, I want to read this verse to you in Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. Somehow my scripture messed up here. Here we are. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do we do these things? When was the last time that we truly went one day, one day, diligently, diligently teaching our children and talking to our children about God and His Word 
not just when we sat down at the dinner table and we prayed. And I'm preaching to myself too. I always preach to myself too. This goes for all of us. But this word tells us you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them, not just when you sit, but when you walk. But not just when you sit and when you walk, but when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That means that everywhere you go, whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whether you're walking, whether you're sleeping, whether you're awake or not, you should have God's will, God's plan, God's word in front of your eyes so that you're always thinking about it. And as you're always thinking about it, you're using all the different circumstances, the scenarios that you find yourself in to be mentoring your kids, be teaching your kids. I think back to that video that you watched at the beginning of service and how you saw the fathers bringing up their kids, but not just passing the ball. And that is great to see dads. I, I drove through the neighborhoods a few days ago, and I won't say who. You can use that as conviction, all of you. But I saw one of the dads of this church, one of the congregational members, passing the baseball with his son. And I thought, good job, dad. Great job, dad. But what I think of when I read this is that we're also to be mentoring our kids in every circumstance, diligently bringing them up in a word of God, but also teaching them how to be men, how to be women of God. And I think about how the video showed the dad doing woodwork with his son, building something with his son. It's not just about the fun stuff, but we need to teach them how to be responsible young adults too. But moving on, I go back to this. You see, we need to step up and we need to man up, and we need to be the man, the father, the person that God wants you to be. Now let's move on, though. Maybe, see, this, this sermon's going to go a few different directions. Maybe you do not have a lot of hobbies. Maybe you don't do a lot for yourself. You see, I've been kind of ragging on or beating up the dads who maybe do too much for themselves and not enough for their sons because they're too busy with their own hobbies, their own interests, their own fun. And I'm to blame too, and it's okay to have a little bit of fun. But maybe that's not you. But let me tell you something else. It's not always just the fun stuff that gets in the way of being a dad. It's not always just the fun stuff which gets in the way of doing stuff for your family. You see, sometimes it's providing for your family in your physical paying job. So I'm not even talking about that. Maybe you work too much. But as I say maybe you work too much, I'm not meaning with those paying jobs. I'm not just referring to that job which you do Monday through Friday. I was convicted of this last week by my six-year-old son, who's not in here, so good thing I can talk about him as much as I like. He's in children's church. But my six-year-old son recently convicted me of this. You see, my, my son came to me last week, and he wanted me to pass the ball with him. He's always wanting me to pass the baseball or the football with him. Dads, maybe you can relate. Your kid's always right there wanting you to pass the ball with them. And for some reason, we all too often see this as an inconvenience because we have to step away from what we're doing instead of the great blessing that it is. You see, I said I was convicted of this, though, so you already know where I'm going. I didn't pass the ball with them right then. Instead, I was in the middle of changing brakes on a truck, and I said, No, son, can't you see? I've got a tire off this vehicle. I'm in the middle of working on a car. Maybe later. Maybe later. Dads, moms, people, how often do we say that? Maybe later. Maybe later I will pass the ball. 
Maybe later I will watch a movie with you. Maybe later we'll go to the park. Maybe later I will take you fishing. Maybe later we will play basketball. Maybe later we will go shopping. I had to put that in there for my daughters. <laughs> Maybe later we will pray together. Maybe later we will read our Bibles. Maybe later we'll read a story together. Maybe later we'll spend some time together, just the two of us. You know, don't get me wrong, sometimes it's right and we need to say maybe later, but too often we use maybe later as a cop-out and we never actually come back to the later. And maybe, just maybe, we need to sometimes ditch the maybe and simply say yes. And I truly believe that's what God wants us to do too. God wants to say, us to say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will bring up my children diligently teaching them the ways of the Lord. I will bring them up knowing your love, your ways of the Bible. But also, yes, son, yes, daughter, yes, wife, yes, friend, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You see, my son heard those words maybe later. And here's the convicting part, what he said to me. As I said, can't you see I'm working? He said, but dad... You're always working on something. But, Dad, you're always working on something. You see, it's not just our physical paying jobs which get in the way. It's not just our hobbies and our fun, our fishing, our sports, or whatever you dads like to do. It's not just that that gets in the way. Sometimes it's our lawn mowing. Sometimes it's working on the cars. Sometimes it's cleaning the house or whatever else you do. And sometimes... We need to simply say yes, and we need to take a break. Dads, when we're not busy working on these things, we're often doing things for ourselves, as we think we need to deserve, we deserve our me time. Whether it be video games, TV, movies, fishing, sports, watching sports, going to a game, hanging out with our friends. And again, that's okay to do every now and then. But we need to remember first that we are sons of God. We are husbands. And we are fathers. And those are responsibilities which mean something. Those are responsibilities of utmost importance. Now, kids, as you've been hearing me say a lot to your dads that you need to stop saying maybe later, I don't want you to point out to your dads later, pastor said not to say maybe later, because there are times when it's okay to say maybe later. There's work to be done. There's jobs to be done. But dads and moms, we do need to do better at just saying Sure, let me take a break. Or saying, give me just a few minutes to wrap this up. Or saying, you know what, I'm going to do that, but let me finish this job, and then I promise you I will do it with you. But keep your promises. Keep your word, dads. That's part of the reason why I think fatherhood is under attack, because for so many years, dads are losing their responsibilities. They're not doing what they say they do. And it used to be the word said that the word is our bond. My word means something. But now that's made fun of in movies and TV shows and books because dads don't really hold up their part of the deal. They don't really hold up to what they say they're going to do. We need to first be sons of God, husbands, and fathers that God calls us to be. But then after that, we still have another mission. You see, we have the mission that God gave us to proclaim the gospel, to love God, and to love people. But we can't do that if we're not first acting like the sons of God, the husbands, and the fathers that we should be. We need to make sure that we are living how God would want us to be. 
and then we can move on. You see, we are blessed with children and wives, and these are treasures and a great blessing. And I'll get to you that do not have children later, trust me. But do not allow your responsibilities to distract you and lead you away from seeing the many great blessings that God has given you. You need to make sure that you recognize the blessings that you have sitting right in front of you, right beside you. And you need to make sure that they also understand that you appreciate them. Make sure that your kids see that you do put them first. We must step up and man up and be the men God created you to be. You see, we as men are created in the image of God. And we should be looking to the Heavenly Father and His Word for how to be good fathers. Look to Him for protection to stay good fathers. And lastly, I threw this little one out there because it's kind of hard for us. We need to learn to say, I'm sorry. Learn to say, I'm sorry. I know it's a hard one, but I think our kids need to see that. I think that our kids would learn a lot from us, dads and moms. And not just that, the world today, if we were to do a little bit better at, better at humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, son, I don't always do the right thing. Daughter, friend, coworker. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have treated you that way. I'm sorry, I should, have, I should have made you more important in my life. And here's the thing, it's never too late to say I'm sorry. It's never too late to look to God for protection and to stay a good father. We need to make sure that we humble ourselves daily and lift ourselves up because there's only one person to be boasted, and that's God. We need to boast in God. We need to boast in Jesus and the Spirit and the cross which gives us life but back to that point tv shows movies books they represent men and fathers as often being absent in their kids lives or maybe they are present but there's also a such thing as in, as being absent-minded in their lives as being goofy um, the tv shows like to show us as being goofy dumb and unqualified to lead our families tv shows books movies they like to show men as not leading their family, so the women's, women have to do it instead. And women, you do a great job. But is this really true? Are men this bad? Are you this bad? I want to say that I don't think you are. And I want to say that I'm glad to see you in church today and learning more, looking to God's word, not to me, but God's word on how to be good dads. But there is a crisis in America. Let me give you some statistics. You see, according to the U.S. Census Bureau... 19.7 million children, 19.7 million children, more than one in four, live without a father in the home. More than one in four children live without a father in the home. And this is the U.S. Census Bureau. This isn't the world. This isn't national news. This isn't America. This is in your own backyard. I heard a church member telling me yesterday that they, they went to a meeting or they heard in the news from the the Chippewa County Foster Agency, the Chippewa County where we live, the foster rate, the need for foster care, I think has gone up 300 times, was it? It was either 300 times or 500 times. Either way, it, it was what? 700%. 700%. That's the need in our own community for fathers, for mothers, for household, for kids. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of society ills facing America today. You see, research shows that when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he is affected in many ways. Here's just a few. 
fatherless kids are four times more likely to live in poverty. Four times. Ch fatherless kids are more likely to have behavioral problems. Fatherless kids are more likely to face abuse or neglect. Fatherless kids are more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol. They're two times more likely to have health issues. They're more likely to be imprisoned. They're two times more likely to not complete high school. Dads, you're here. Great job. It is great seeing you here with your families. But we need to make sure that we are still actively, highly involved in our kids' lives. Because there's not, it's not just being absent-minded from the home, but you could be absent-minded in the home. We need to make sure we are highly involved in our kids' lives. Now, here's the other thing. Maybe you don't have kids. That's okay. Did you hear what I just said? There's four, 700% increase in the foster care need of Chippewa County. There's a lot of kids out there without dads that could use your help. And that's not just for dads. That's moms, too. And maybe, maybe you can't commit to fostering for one reason or another. I'm sure there are many kids that can just use a parental influence, an adult influence, but most importantly, a godly influence. What kids in your life do you maybe know that could use you to be involved in their life? Not just that, but I want us to pray for these kids. I want us to pray for our kids, but I also want us to pray for those kids. Pray that God would put somebody in their life to lead them into a loving, lasting relationship with him, to provide for them. But let's move on. You see, fatherhood is a blessing. Kids are a blessing. It says in Psalm 127, 3 to 5, children are a heritage from the Lord. Remember that lasting legacy that we were talking about? Children are a heritage from God, offspring a reward for him. And like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You are blessed to have kids. Dads, if you're doing well at all this, great. But I can tell you, I struggle at times. So I'm just thinking we all struggle at times and we need a reminder. And I'm sorry, this might not just be that pick-me-up message today. And if you want that, I'll tell you that insert in your bulletin does a great job of picking you up. It goes that other direction. But here's the other direction for me. You see, dads, if you're doing great at this, then great. But we are under attack. All of us believers are under attack and in danger today. Because Satan wants nothing more. The world wants nothing more to, than to separate us from our families. And most importantly, from our family, which is God and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, I want us to look to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a great psalm to turn to when you need to be reminded of God's provision and for life and for, for protection. You see, it doesn't change the fact, no matter how great you're living, that we need to be dads of faith. We need to be people of faith, men and women of faith, and we need to turn to God for help. Turn to God for help. So turn to your Bibles to Psalm 91 if you don't have it. You have Bibles in front of your pews. I did not put it on the screen today, but I will read it to you. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I'll give you just a quick moment to turn there. And then you'll have a moment to catch up, I promise. In Psalm 91, we read, 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We'll come back to this after I get done reading. We're going to look to some key principles or some key verses here. But Psalm 91 verse 1, a very powerful verse. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Now notice the transition there. Through verse 13, we have a man speaking to God, pleading to God, praying to God, singing to God. And all of a sudden, the, the direction changes here of God talking to the person. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You can keep it open as we reference it, but this psalm contains a great and needed message for us today. This psalm presents a deep and rich spiritual well for prayer and worship. And there are some that believe this psalm to be talking about Jesus. Either way, it can be used by us today. I was listening to a commentary or looking to a commentary of J. Vernon McGee, and he was one that presented this as speaking of Jesus. And it's interesting as you read about that, and he's the only one, only commentary I looked to that actually said that, but it is interesting. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you're thinking about Jesus, it does make sense. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. Let's skip forward here. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a, so a stone. Satan quoted this psalm, although he quoted it wrong, and he left some words out, to Jesus, as he was trying to get Jesus to sin, to trip up. And then as the Father God speaks to Jesus, if this was so, it says in verse 14, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Others say that this could have been wrote by an army going into battle and looking to God for life and protection and saying that God is their refuge, God is their love, God is their way of life. They will dwell in God's presence, the Most High. 
As we look to Psalm 91, I want you to see that you also can look to this psalm for protection and for life. Because we're all in a battle. And we're in a battle in two different worlds every single day. We're in a battle of the physical world with our bodies failing us every day. We have different issues which come up. We're in a battle physically as we struggle with different physical ailments of this world, of the fallen sinful world, but also the supernatural forces. We're always at battle in the supernatural world as the devil is trying to throw at us anything he can to separate us from God. Sometimes that's jealousy. Sometimes that's anger. Sometimes that's frustration. You see, the devil also loves to mess with your emotions to make you be separated from his will. Separated from just glorifying you with his life. But if we truly look to Psalm 91, and if we obey the words that it gives us, the guidance it gives us, we put them in our heart to live by, we trust God. We abide in his shadow under his wings, like a bird protecting its young, to be protected, to be shielded from all evil. Listen to this. It also says, in his shadow. And when we read in his shadow, that's indicating how closely we should be following after God. We should be following God so closely that we're stepping on his shadow, that we're in his shadow. You could take that another direction. You're following God so closely that they don't see you because you're in his shadow. They see him. People need to see God. This psalm reminds us that we are always in danger, but we also always have a God to turn to for protection, for life for preservation. And fathers, we need that preservation today more than ever. We need to make sure we're living up to be the man that God wants us to be. And also remember this. Nothing can harm you spiritually unless you allow it to harm you, unless God was to allow it to happen. God is still in control. But if we look to how this psalm is split up, it starts in verse 1 to 13, talking about the Lord's protection. And then it ends talking about the pledge from God to the people, as we have confidence in his protection. So it starts in verse 1 to 2, talking about the confidence that the writer has in God for protection. Now, I said I'd point out a few verses. I want to point out that, that word, most high. As you read again, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you're abiding in God, you're abiding in the, the one who is most high. And as you say that, you need to recognize that God being the most high means there is nothing more powerful than him. There's nothing over him. There's nothing more in control than him, more knowing than him, more in your presence than him. God is the most high, and those who dwell in the shelter of the most high will see that nothing can overpower him. But another important thing to recognize is how it tells us to dwell in his place. And as we recognize that he should be our dwelling place, we need to see that this isn't a temporary dwelling place. God being our dwelling place, his presence is not meant to be a hotel, a motel, or a bed and breakfast where we just go there for a little while when we most need him. This is meant to be our forever home. And to dwell in this forever home is also to recognize that the owner of that home his, is there. That's why I think the bed and breakfast idea kind of suits it best. Because a motel, a hotel, you might be able to check in and have your privacy. A bed and breakfast, I've often avoided because I think it sounds a little awkward because the owners are there with you. 
but they're taking care of you and they're making sure all your needs are met. And that, that's what God does for us when we are in his presence, in his dwelling place, in his secret place. God's word tells us in Psalm 27 and 31 that we have a secret place with God, a secret place to be preserved, to have life and to be protected. It goes on in 3 to 6, verse 3 to 6, to talk about the dangers that surround him. As you read, for he would deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. As he talks about the fowler, he's talking about a hunter hunting the fowl, a hunter hunting the birds, hunt, hunting. And that's what Satan's always doing for us. That's what the world's always doing. They're always hunting after us, trying to trap us. And God alone can save us from that hunter. But I do have a quote for you. See, Charles Spurgeon said this. Every child of God looks towards the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat, yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times and enjoy occasional approaches, but they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence of God. How often do we only temporarily run into the presence of God when we need him, but then we're not truly living in his presence every minute of the day? Every minute of the day, truly looking to him for guidance on how to glorify him and how to live our life best. Not trying to make our own rules, but living according to his ways. We read on, and I want to skip forward to verse 14 to 16. And I said this is the spot where God changes, or the psalm changes, and it's where God speaks promise and blessings over his people. Let me read this to you again. Verse 14 to 16 says this. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Fathers, brothers, mothers, sisters, everybody in this room, do you know how to call up to God for help? Because it says, those who know my name can call to me and I will answer him. The only way to truly know God's name, the only way to truly be able to call to him is if you have a restored relationship with him through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You need to surrender your life to him. Think back to that video we started the service with. It says, surrender to him. What you do matters. Mirror the image of God. Mirror the image of God. You see, being a father is a battle, but in your heavenly father, you will find guidance protection, and a refuge. But only if you truly have a relationship with him. And in order to have a relationship with him, you must be spending time with him daily in prayer and studying his word. In order, in order to truly be that good, great father, and we're never truly good or great, but in order to at least attempt to be, we need to be leaving a lasting legacy which lead our kids in his ways, which shows them the love of God which shows them the hope and the joy they can have. We need to step up. We need to man up, and we need to be the people, the men, the fathers that God wants us to be. As I start to close, I want to tell you a few statements here. You see, I want to say, may each dad, may each mom, 
May each grandparent, teenager, and child, everyone in here in the world today, carry this responsibility to lead the next generation into spiritual growth. We need to be leaving a lasting legacy. But the only truly lasting legacy that matters is a spiritual legacy tied with God. Back to your original question now. Well, actually, let me first say it doesn't matter your social or economic standing. Here on earth, God has called every born-again believer to, place, to a place of spiritual leadership. We need to be leading people in a spiritual, connected life with God. But back to that original question now. What kind of difference are you making? Think about your life. What kind of difference are you making? What kind of impact are you making while you're still breathing God's air? Where you're still leading your families, your wives, your kids, your dads, your moms, your grandparents, your friends, your neighbors. While you're living here today, what type of difference are you making? Are you leaving a lasting legacy? You say, today is Father's Day. And dads, what kind of difference are you making in your homes? Could it be that instead of proclaiming God's truth and pointing out the love of God... Doing what truly matters and leaving a lasting legacy, we're instead pointing more to temporary things like athletics, academics, and entertainment. Don't get me wrong, I love sports, I love entertainment, I love TV shows, I love movies. But too often we put more importance on these temporary things of the world than the lasting legacies of God. Leaving a legacy means that you're passing on something of value and of worth. And what is of more worth than the good news of Jesus Christ? I go back to that verse we started with in Deuteronomy. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. When you rise. Let's leave that type of lasting legacy here today. Let's leave that type of lasting legacy for our families, for our co-workers, for our friends, for all people to see. May each of us leave a lasting legacy which shows God's love and our faith in him. I want to close in prayer. I want to remind you of the three parts of this message. Because there was a part for everybody. Either we're not truly leaving the lasting legacy that we should because we're too focused on ourselves and what we want to do instead of remembering our three most important things is God, our wives, and our families, and then carrying out his mission. Or maybe you're not too focused on your own selfish needs, but maybe we're too busy working. And we need to simply say yes. Yes, son. Yes, daughter. Yes, Lord. Let's do it now. Let's stop saying maybe later so much. And then the third part was maybe you're doing great at all this. Well, then let's remember that Satan in this world, they are always trying to push us down away from God and our lasting legacy we should be putting out there for all to see. So just remember, let's not go back to those other two phases. Let's continue diligently teaching, and not just our children, but all of the world of God's love and God's ways. I'm going to pray, but after I pray, we're going to close in a song based on Psalm 91 by a band called Sons of Korah. And there's a great live video of them in concert showing this. But I picked the black and white, plain and simple video of just the lyrics. Because I want you to focus on those words. And if you like, while you sit there, you listen to them. 
you can compare it to your Bibles in front of you because it is straight from Psalm 91. Let's look to Psalm 91 when we need protection, when we we need life, when we need confidence. Let's be reminded of where this life comes from. Let me pray, and we'll close with this song. Lord, we thank you for knowing that we have life in you and you alone. And we just pray now, if anybody needs to know of this life in Jesus Christ, if they need to surrender to you, they will do it now. For Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can't live on our own. We can't truly have hope and joy for this life and the next without you and your spirit within us. Lord, thank you for the life you give us. Thank you for giving us a refuge to go to. Thank you for covering us with your wings like a mother bird protecting its young. May we continue to run to you in all we do. And when we're struggling, when Satan's attacking, when the world's pushing us down because of our beliefs and not thinking that they matter, but they want to tell us what should matter, may we run to you and not away from you. For that is what matters most. May we be leaving a lasting legacy which truly matters, a lasting legacy which points to you. And may we be teaching diligently Whether we sit, whether we lie down, whether we wake, whether we sleep, may we always be looking to teach diligently the knowledge of you and your love to our children and all those around us. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray now. Amen. Amen. Please dim the lights and start the closing song.
He loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he knows my name. He will call on me, and I will answer. I will be with him always, and I will honor him. And with love. I'll have you know that I did pass the ball with my son about every day this week. I also went shopping with my family. So I did change a little bit this week. And I, every time I said maybe later, I had to second my guess myself and say, what did I just say? Guys, maybe there's another one. Maybe there's another stage. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're struggling. Remember this song. Remember this Psalm 91. That you can have long, long, long eternal life through Christ. And he can give you all you need. Let's go to God when we need our help. You're dismissed. Thank you. <laughs>